the painter Gino Perine lived in the port city of Trieste before and during the rise of Italian fascism. Born Jewish, he converted to Catholicism. When Nazi Germany occupied Trieste, Perrine was arrested and deported to a concentration camp in Germany, where he died. In this series, we encounter a life full of nuance and complications during the upheavals of the early 20th century. Episode 6, Cranial. If it were true. If. Well, let's say it is very likely that the undated Il Cristo painting is from 1942, and that it is one of Gina Perrine's last paintings. If this were the case, we need to take a closer look at what it hides and reveals. And what would that be? The painting appears straight and simple. A portrait of Christ in a subdued color palette. A red, brownish mantle flows down from his right shoulder over a loosely fitted dirt-white robe. At first sight, there's not much to see. So much so that the church in Cottonwood moved it out of public view to the restricted space of the sacristy. No one seemed particularly moved by it. And? Perrine added hidden images in the painting. Hidden images? Yes, as if offering a secret code to only those who are willing to see. Remember, it is 1942. The race laws have been passed in fascist Italy targeting Jews. And the city of Trieste is occupied by Nazi Germany after Italy switched sides in World War II and now allied itself with the Americans. Gino, the Jewish-born painter, is in danger? Yes, we would have to say so. Though we are not sure whether he believed himself to be in danger until the very end. But maybe he knew. Perhaps he could not fully admit the threat he was under. When we first looked at the painting, we did not see its secrets. But when we took a photo on our phones, it was clearly there. A skull, cranio, as Italians would say, is clearly visible. A slight tilt of your head, and anyone can see it. A skull? A symbol representing death and mortality. And impending lethal danger. But there is more. What? A self-portrait. It is in the lower left corner. It is embedded in the red mantle. It's upside down, as if looking back at the head of Christ. Are we saying that in the red mantle of Christ are a hidden self-portrait and a skull? Yes. Are these premonitions? Is Gino signaling to us that he knows the danger he is in? If this is one of the last paintings of Gino, the Jewish-born convert to Catholicism, he paints a traditional Christ and hides his own Jewish face in Christ's mantle. And a little above the self-portrait is a skull as if in conversation. As someone born after the Holocaust, it is hard to avoid thinking of Gino Perrine's fear after the racial laws were passed in Italy that defined him as racially Jewish. They put him in mortal danger. The red mantle, as it flows down to the frame, has streaks of yellow shooting upward as the flames are consuming Gino's face in the self-portrait. Then there is a white streak, hugging and crossing the skull. It looks like smoke. The kind of smoke that rises when you extinguish a candle. Maybe we are imagining it. Maybe it's Gino's unconscious. Maybe. But there's more. Oh? Freud. Sigmund Freud? The father of psychoanalysis? Yes. Freud visited Trieste in 1876. He was still young. He had not yet discovered his psychoanalytic insights regarding death and love, pathos and eros. He was fascinated by the rich ambiguity of Trieste, 
this cosmopolitan port city between Italy and the Habsburg Empire, bristling with creativity and, as Freud writes, Italian goddesses. According to some scholars, it is in Trieste that Freud's scientific research brought him in contact with the world of human sexuality. How so? Eels. Eels? He studied the elusive reproductive organs of eels, Angola Angola, in Trieste's Institute of Comparative Anatomy. He dissected 400 eels to find their sex. Did he? Nope. But he became, as we know, an expert in human sexuality after he returned to Vienna. What does this have to do with Gino? Well, there is this zeitgeist at the turn of the century, with the city of Trieste bubbling with intellectual and artistic ideas. Like Freud, Gino Perrine could not have escaped this zeitgeist. And? It is about looking. Perrine looked as an artist. Freud looked as a psychoanalyst. And who looks at what? And why? With what desires or fears? In Perrine's painting, Christ looks at us, seemingly oblivious to the threats around him in 1942, which is why the painting seems so stunningly inappropriate at first sight. And then there is Gino's own face looking upward to Christ, perhaps consumed by flames. The skull gazes at us with empty eye sockets. There is a dynamic there. Christ's face has an eerie semblance with Perrine's portrait, as if Perrine is looking at himself. And something else. What? The sky opens up just to the right of Christ's head and reveals an orange-shaded eye, as if a bird's eye, the eye of a bird of prey, the eye of God, looking at everything. If we look at psychoanalysis after Freud, we will discover the French psychoanalyst Lacan, highly theoretical kind of guy. His theory talked much about the gaze. That gazing is identity building, objectifying, othering. There is self-love in gazing at our mere images, loathing when we gaze at others. The gaze of the... Christ figure. The skull. Gino's self-portrait. The bird's eye. There's something uncanny when the object of our eyes seems to look back at us, as if separate from us. Being gazed at by an object in a painting affects us, like the skull. Gino is not the first artist to use a cranio or skull to look back at us. There's a famous painting by the 16th century German painter Hans Holbein called The Ambassadors. When you first see it, you seem to control the looking, until you notice a distorted skull at the bottom of the canvas when you tilt your head. The skull stares right back at you, just as in Gino's painting. It is very likely that Perrine knew Holbein's painting. He studied art in Munich for many years. He spoke German. He knew German art history. Then there is Paul Perrine. What about him? Paul was born in 1916 in what is today Slovenia. He was an assimilated Jew. During World War II, he volunteered as a physician among the Yugoslav partisans resisting the Nazis. He survived. He was Gino's second nephew. That is, Paul was the grandson of Gino's uncle. Correct. What happened to Paul after the war? He moved back to Zurich, Switzerland, where he became the co-founder of Ethnopsychoanalysis. It combined psychoanalysis and ethnography to explore the relations between self and society. He was a Swiss citizen, like Gino. Gino should have been protected as a Swiss citizen. But he was not. He was deported to a concentration camp in Germany. Gino's brother Vittorio tried to rescue him and get him out of Trieste to Switzerland. Vittorio did not succeed. And so Gino's painting of Cristo leaves us with an enigma. 
There is the promise of salvation and the dead gaze of a skull. And Gino's face upside down, almost forgotten. If Il Cristo is one of Gino's last paintings, which we assume it was, it was the last time Gino, the artist, showed us on canvas something about this world, a foreboding and uncanny sense of doom, hope, and indifference. Perhaps asking us to always look carefully. <laughs>